Hey guys, if you can think about how you found this podcast, maybe it's on Instagram or TikTok, maybe someone shared it with you. I don't run ads for the show or have sponsorships, so the only way this grows is through word of mouth. If this was valuable for you in any way, my only ask is if you could share this with someone who you think would help their investing journey or business. Thanks a lot, and let's get to the episode. Welcome to Ask the Best. I'm your host, Michael Chang. It's my great pleasure to mark to welcome Marcus Rader from Host Away. Marcus, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, no, I'm really excited for this conversation. Marcus, last time I spoke with Marcus was in the depths of COVID in March 2020, with a customer of Host Away. And we were talking before the show. It's been a crazy journey in the last three years. So excited to talk and dig into what's happened over this time period. But Marcus, may I give you an opportunity to introduce yourself to the audience? Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks a lot. So my name is Marcus Rader. I'm commonly known as Marcus from Hostaway. If you ever visit a short-term rental conference, you might have seen me roaming around the halls with, with long blonde hair and with a Metallica t-shirt or maybe a Blue Jays baseball hat. And I'm the co-founder and CEO at Hostaway. We have very quickly risen to the top of the PMS world. We just last week, I saw we took the second spot on Capterra. We have 600 reviews there. And and we're out of the ones with more than 500, we have the highest average review score. So we have thousands of property managers using us around the world. And, and yeah, quite a lot of data and, and insights to derive from that. Perfect, perfect. I'm really excited to have this conversation. I've, I've personally been a host of a customer for the last three and a half years. And not being paid to say this or anything, just like I, I'm a huge, I'm a huge fan of the platform and I love talking. I think the property management system is such an important piece of your technology stack as a short-term operator. And it, you really need to have that. It, you build that foundation correctly in the beginning to scale. And then we're going to hit on the, we're going to hit on these points. But Marcus, the way I start is, do you have a, do you have a good short-term rental story as an operator or from your view as a technology provider, a good story to share with the folks? Yeah, actually I have, I moved to Canada eight years ago and I'm, I spent a large amount of time of my life in Finland and that's where saunas come from. And I wanted to build a sauna, but it turned out it was unpractical here in, in downtown Toronto. So I bought a cottage and built a sauna there, but then eventually realized I'm not using the cottage too much. So I started renting it out. Okay. Now the challenge is I had the title. It was perfect. It was rustic, which basically means worn down okay. keyword for worn down on airbnb and i had lovely guests I, I became a super host in no time always five star reviews but then there was this one one guy and i made it very clear i took even the pictures that i took i made them look bad on airbnb just to make sure that i don't end up with someone expecting a mansion because this was really <laughs> the, like the cheapest house you can find anywhere and it was in pretty bad shape to be honest and one, one guest, he called me on a Saturday night and he was screaming at me and saying, oh my God, this is terrible. It smells so bad. There's not even air conditioning. There's everything is just terrible here. There's flies and mosquitoes. And I said, yeah, that's what it's like on the countryside. That's what it's like in the description. <laughs> so what can I do for you? Check the reviews. Everyone else be happy. And he kept screaming and screaming. And then eventually he quieted down and he said, he started whispering to me and he said, okay, I made this really big mistake. I got my whole family and especially my mother-in-law here. <laughs> I promised them a great week at a cottage. And in their minds, they thought I was renting out a, an entire mansion with a swimming pool and everything. And now we come to this old house. And now I realize that this is, you advertised an old house on the countryside. Yeah. And that's exactly what we got. But that's not what my mother-in-law was expecting. <laughs> and I, it was just... When you read these stories about all the guests who are unhappy, there's always a story behind that. And it made me realize that we're not, we're not an Airbnb host and an Airbnb guest. We're just human beings. And yeah. he was having a hard time impressing his mother-in-law <laughs> and just wanted to have a good time. The mother-in-law ended up staying at a hotel yeah. and, and I didn't end up having to refund anything, but I was just happy that I was able to level with him and understand his pressures because his pressures had nothing to do with my property. Although, to be fair, all of his complaints were correct. Yes, there were flies in there because that's what happens when you keep the door open. 
Yeah. No. <laughs> he probably was doing it just to show to his mother-in-law that he was, was taking charge. But yeah, no, that, that's a very important constituent to, to get right on vacation, especially when you're in lots. But that's great. Thanks for sharing that. And it's good that you come from, you have that hosting experience before, or maybe it was before you built a platform, but maybe take a minute or so. Tell us the 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 start of HostAway, right? First off, like why HostAway? Why the name actually? I'm kind of, I'm actually curious on that. Why HostAway? That's a very rare question. I think HostAway can mean two things. First of all, you could be away while hosting. Okay. Or you could just go ahead, host away. Okay. But, and I coach and I mentor a lot of startups and they asked me about the name and I said, look, it doesn't matter really what your name is. What matters is you got to check the domains. So I, I was running a bunch of different combinations. I was, I think I was using Excel today. I would use chat GPT for that just yeah. to run different combinations on different words that are relevant to the industry combined with other words that might make good. And I found out host away, but that was taken, but then host aways with an S was the best I could come up with Okay, at my budget, which was 19 cents by <laughs> the domain name. And then when we got our first investor on board, they said, look, the domain hostaway.com is for sale for 3000. Okay. So we got to buy it. Nice. That's one of the terms of the investment. So that, that's why we're hostaway. <laughs> okay. Really, okay. There was no plan whatsoever. It's just random words on a spreadsheet just to find an available domain. And even then we So yeah, like, the, a great point. Oops. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to cut you off there. I lagged a little bit. I think that's a great point about just starting. I think a lot of people, especially in Airbnb business, that you do a lot of analysis paralysis where you do all the work, but you actually never start. So even if you don't get the perfect name where it's host away or host away, it's like, if you build a great product and then you eventually it's in the market, it's good. People invest in you. Then you can go back and correct the things that you want to do in the beginning. But thanks for sharing that story. How there's a lot of different technology products to build, right? How did you triangulate on building a property management system for the short-term rental space? I've never worked in the real estate or in the travel or hospitality business before this. I have, however, worked in many technology companies and the same goes for my other founders. There's three of us in total. We have all a lot of experience in building technology based businesses, but my passion has always been real estate. And it was in 2015 when I realized that, Hey, I think there's something here. I think there's a shift in the way people are not only traveling, but actually living. And there is probably not many who are capitalizing on what that will mean for technology. So I started researching the market and what that looked like in practice was I, I was in downtown Toronto and I had a couple of ideas of Airbnb and what it's doing, how the business is doing. But what really surprised me was the amount of property managers that were managing mm -hmm. five, not 10, 40 or a hundred properties. And I was, I interviewed them. I made a list of 40 and I managed oh, to interview okay. all 40 and I'm very thankful for that. And I asked them very open-ended questions. Okay. How, why did you get started? And what is your dream and where are you today? And what's your biggest challenge? What I was very happy to find out was that. A lot of them mentioned that they want to grow bigger, but their main challenge is lack of technology. And then when I started researching the market, I found out why that is, because while there was a lot of technology then, and there even is a lot of technology today, a lot of actually at the time, and probably even today, most of those technology companies in the short-term rental or vacation rental space were founded by people who were in the short-term rental space. Now, what that meant was that they had built a product for themselves and then started selling it to others. The challenge with this space and actually any other space in the world, any industry in the world, is that there are differences. What works for Toyota is not going to work for Ford. And as a result of that, when we did our analysis, we found out that there's a lot of products out there but they're basically hundred product built for a hundred different businesses. Mm -hmm. There's 10,000 businesses out there. Nobody has built a product for them. And we, that, that's when we got really excited and we were able to tell investors this story too, that, Hey, look, there's not a single te technology based company here. There are companies selling technology, but they're not experts in technology. And that's how we started, started building it. 
So <clears throat> let's take, let's unpack that a little bit. Okay. 40 interviews, 40 operators, finding a common denominator. Okay. But what does that actually mean though? What does that mean from a, can you give it like a more tangible example of like how that impacted the way that you built the technology that maybe in the beginning where, you know, if it's messaging or the user interface or what decision, what decisions did you make differently versus if you were someone like you said, the other hundred companies that built something internally and then, and just start selling it externally. Yeah, to give one example, the OTA distribution back then, as it is today, is wildly different depending on where you're located and what type of properties you have. Okay. For example, at the time, if you had small condos near the business districts in a big city, the number one place, 80% of your bookings came from booking.com. You, you couldn't get anything on Airbnb. Nobody would use Airbnb for that. Because with Airbnb, you travel with a bigger group. You don't want a one-bedroom condo. And you definitely don't want to be ne next to the office of a big bank. That doesn't sound like a great weekend getaway. <laughs> but if you're a business traveler, you call your internal travel team. And mm -hmm. they go on Booking.com and they find something. And they happen to find one right next to the client that you're visiting. Perfect. And then one, I think the easiest challenge that we found to solve there, which turned out to be actually impossible to solve, was just getting the calendars synchronized. So we didn't start by building a PMS. We didn't have a big vision for we're going to do an all-in-one best-in-class solution like we have mm -hmm. today. No, it was just a simple problem that you have rates and availability, but they're not the same across channels, and you get double bookings. That was yeah, the that, major that's... problem. And there were lots of solutions for that, but they all had their own limitations, mostly because they were built for one use case. So for example, you could find a great system, but it didn't support Airbnb or another great system that didn't support booking.com and, or let's say a good system, but that supported everything, but you couldn't set the minimum number of nights because you want the minimum number of nights during the weekend to be, for example, three, but during the week to be two. Yeah. You know, it's funny you said that. It's funny you say that, actually. It was actually the big reason why. So we were on a different technology platform before we moved to Hostway in November of 2019. And that was actually the biggest thing. That was the biggest part of the analysis was how wide a distribution can we get and how good the how good the quality of the connection was. And the length to say restriction just being one double booking is the worst problem because you're going to get eviscerated by your OTAs. It's a real, and it's bad for the guests too. So it's actually great to hear that was what you focused on in the beginning. Cause and that for me, and I think a lot of the, a lot of the people I've spoken with, that was a big piece of, of the initial decision to, to use you guys. And then, so you started off with that. And so how did you, how did you think of, did you, was there like a broader roadmap of what you wanted to build? And you just kind of started with the, the kind of the channel management part in the beginning. Maybe just talk a little bit about, the overall product vision and how you got from where that, where you began. And then, and I want to hit through, I want to talk about COVID too, of course, but how did you think about that product map? So this is when you where, the company? where I think the experience from previous companies came to place because we have worked in both successful and in unsuccessful companies and quite often technology companies, when they start out, the idea is not that relevant and the initial product and value proposition, it's not that relevant. What's relevant is to get moving, is to get something okay. through the door and then reiterate. And early stage companies often fail because they're stuck on that idea. They have a, an idea and they just believe in that and they want to make that work. That's probably not going to get your company. What you need to do is just accept that your idea may be the way you can find the next idea and then the next one until one of them <laughs> works. Then... The other thing that once a company gets actually going, when they find an idea that somewhat works, then they start doing all of this stuff. And that's where everything goes wrong. Okay. Uh, do one thing and do it well. That's the secret success of most successful technology companies like, like Google. Today, they do everything. But the first 10 years, they spent on building just the best search engine for the web. Just one thing, just the best search engine in the world, nothing else. And that's important to keep in mind that you don't get 
yeah, Rome wasn't built in a day. And we decided to just build the best channel manager there is. Okay, got it. Okay. That's... Everything else followed later <laughs> on. And actually, it... what has happened in the last few years has been really interesting because when we started out, there wasn't an ecosystem set out. The way today you can check who are the companies in the space. But back then, it wasn't clear how the space was even divided. So we had a channel manager. But then there were other companies that had PMSs, and these were two separate systems. And this is how it works in hotels still today. You have one software that manages your distribution and another software that manages your property or the in-house staff. And those two systems communicate with each other. This is the way it was in vacation rentals as well. But what happened over the years is that one of them could only one of them could survive. And what happened to survive was the all-in-one PMS and channel manager solution. Yeah, there, there's, we have about 30 properties and there's a small business. There's no way to support a bunch of different platforms. You have, you find one that really works and then you just like really get your team trained on it and get good at it. But I want to get back to that point about being good at one thing and really focusing on that. And I think that's one thing that I see, there's one common issue I see with a lot of vacation rental operators. And I always counsel people to just be very focused on one market or one type of layout, like just one thing that you do really well and just continue to get really good at it because that in the end is going to de-risk you from market volatility or things that happen because you really know your market well and you're not spread out over three or four different things where something bad happens, like you don't have the management bandwidth to, to handle those issues and react quickly. And as far as I see a lot of people actually fail and, and some of these very large vacation rental operators having issues because you're spread out over so many different markets. And it's just really hard to do a lot of things at a high level. You get one thing done really well and then you branch out from there. But having that core is really important. And it's interesting that you've taken this philosophy in building the technology product into one of the, the there's two real PMS platform choices of today. And Hostway definitely is one of them. I want to talk about I'm going to talk about COVID. And that's where we you and I had our first conversation. How, that was an it was look, it was very scary on the host side, right? It was March 15th, I think. And then you had a thriving business with a full calendar. And then two days later you had a bunch of liability and no revenue. <laughs> and it was a very it was a very interesting time, very scary time for everyone. Some of us were able to survive and thrive thereafter. Some of us didn't, and it was a tough time. I think for technology companies as well, right? Just supporting that ecosystem. I guess, how did you, as you, you're seeing all this data on your end and then seeing what's happening, how was it like on your side, like building a, building a technology company where this was your customer base and they're, they're all their revenue went away? Yeah, really good question. First of all, I think, Technology companies, just like property managers, there's two sides of the business. One is, let's say, the product. In our case, maybe not necessarily the software, but let's say you as a valued user or someone who leaves us reviews or hundreds of people who leave us reviews, that's the product. But the other side that people don't see is the financials behind it. And it's the same thing with a property manager. You can go into a, into a vacation home and you can say, wow, this looks nice, but you have no idea whether they're able to pay the mortgage or not, or whether they're, if they have the reserves or use trust account, you have absolutely no idea. So what actually happened to us during COVID was that we were growing really well just before COVID. And we decided to hit the gas, which meant we decided to spend more money than we have because we were so sure that we were going to be able to raise capital. And, and we did that and we were planning on finishing the fundraising in May, 2020. Okay. which would be the same time when you run out of money. But then in February and March, suddenly it was like the wings were cut off and we just crashed because it was the worst possible timing for us because it was we had planned it so that we would run out of money in May, yeah. which would be fine because our business was growing so much. But it's not fine it's the, if the entire industry goes down under. And as a result of that, we had to make some really drastic measures. We had to let people go. And it was just poor, it was just bad luck from us. Had it happened one year earlier, we would have maybe not have to leave, let anyone go. But, but there was a, I think a lot of people 
think back on the time as a clear timeline. They remember what they did in February, March, and April, and they remember what they did the next winter and the winter thereafter. But what many have seemed to forgotten is that the uncertainty of that timeline, it was so uncertain at the time. And I remember even in February, people were discussing, even big companies like Airbnb and, and Booking.com, before they went out, they were discussing, is this a thing or is it not? And there yeah. was this uncertainty un until that one weekend when Airbnb canceled all the bookings. And then everyone could say, okay, this is a thing, this is a real thing. But before that, we had a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. We were seriously worried because bookings were also going down before that. It wasn't yeah. that Airbnb canceled. It was that people, people were unsure. But we realized that we can't really sell. There's no point in developing the product right now. What we need to do is focus on our customers. But we couldn't really work with our customers the way we normally do, improve the product based on their feedback, because their businesses had changed fundamentally. And I realized yeah. that this is a unique opportunity because we are in the same boat. Our company is going under, but our customers, they're going under. We had hundreds of customers just sending a message and saying, hey, my money is out. It took me two weeks. Two weeks, my business is over. And I realized that I, I need to now dedicate my time only talking to these people because everything that I built in Hostaway, I didn't build it for myself. I didn't build it for my family to be proud of me, like my Airbnb, the guests who wanted to impress his mother-in-law. No, it's built for the customers. Like These are the very people that we built this for. And now they're all leaving because they're not in business anymore. Yeah. And we got so many requests and so many questions because they couldn't pay the bills, which is very understandable. So I, but at the same time, the amount of customer support tickets that we got in was substantially lower because if you have no reservations, you have no problems. <laughs> My father always used to say, if you have no money, you have no troubles. <laughs> That's very similar. Yeah. But, so I told the entire support and customer success team, that, Hey, what you got to do now is focus on my calendar. I canceled every other meeting. I want every single customer in here with a spot so that I get yep. to talk to them. And then I got to talk to them. It took actually three months. I spoke to hundreds and hundreds of people and there were some really sad stories. We had a tough time, but a company didn't go under, but many people actually their family business that they inherited, it was gone because of the financials behind it. And many people had yeah. leveraged themselves. Many people had taken debt and it was gone. Others were struggling and they didn't know if it was going to survive or not. And, but what really happened there was that I was able to start seeing patterns. I was able to start connecting the dots and seeing where and what type of customers have the highest likelihood of succeeding. We Can I pause able. you there for a moment? So three months is a lot when you're in the depths of COVID. I, I guess everyone, if, if, you're, if everyone's sitting at home, I guess it's a good time to do a bunch of Zoom calls with your customers. But no, it was a very stressful time. And just for us, we had to make a lot of decisions on what pro what properties we had to exit. We're like, look, there's just no way to... We had properties in New York and the rents are so high. Even if it comes back four months from now, we're not going to make money for two years. What's the point of keeping this on? We need to just make decisions, right? So I think a lot of people were going to some really tough times there. And I remember our call together and it was you and others in the industry too, just like understanding the situation and finding ways to to work with their customer base so that I think fundamentally it was like, let's, for us, it was like, let's try to survive as long as possible. Like travel is, people have been traveling for hundreds of thousands of years. I mean, people have been traveling for thousands of years, right? Through war, through famine, whatever it is, right? I remember my wife and I having this conversation eventually it will come back and there's going to be fewer people that, that are going to be there than when it started. So let's be one of those fewer people because if we're there and then we can position ourselves to be successful. And I think luckily it was only a few months because if it was like a few years, like I think it would have been much a different story or a year would have been much a different story. But I think on that point where you talked about, and I think that's, I'm very curious. So what common factors did you see through your conversations? So, okay, these are the kind of customers that have a higher likelihood to make it through the end of this period. So we saw in, uh, interesting things in different markets. So for example, what we saw in Australia was super 
interesting because they basically had no they because of their geography they have no direct communication with the rest of the world you got to get on an eight-hour flight to get anywhere at all outside of australia yep. except maybe new zealand but what we saw there was that if the restrictions lift then people are definitely willing to travel for example when they called their guests and asked hey could we i'll give you a travel credit and they said yeah we'd like to come any other time whereas in many other markets guests just wanted their money back and they said we don't know we just need our money so, yeah. so that was a good sign that they have an internal market which turned out to be very true actually their vacation rentals did really well despite a complete lack of tourists, simply mm. because internally they have high-end properties but they also have a lot of people who can afford to rent those but this opposite happened in many european markets there's two two very big markets that rely on on mostly american tourism one of them is italy and the other one is ireland hmm. sure europeans go to italy too and they go to ireland too but the ones who go there to spend money that's the americans and gotcha. they were not coming and they didn't keep coming for at least two years two years yeah so what we saw on the other hand in europe was that that there were completely new markets for us that were thriving for example campsites that were within one country and it could be a small country take luxembourg take maybe or a small area like southern france and uh, one, one second here no worries we're getting that we're Sorry, getting a tour my, of my neighbor, uh, casa de rey neighbor uh, decided to cut the lawn he got bored okay. so. <laughs> no worries at all i'll be gonna cut it cut this off yeah so that that's what we saw in europe and then what we saw in Canada and the US, we basically we saw that the East Coast was much better off than yeah. the West Coast, probably because of the distances. On the East Coast, you can travel. I'm in Toronto. I can take a three-hour flight to Florida. Yeah. Whereas if you're in Texas, you're going to be quite far away from everything. And, yeah. Uh, but then at the same time, for example, we saw that Florida is a massive market that's going to thrive really well, as I'm sure... With your experience in New York, you saw the same thing. People went to Florida. Yeah, people in Florida. Yeah, like just the geographic compact. Yeah, and now you're saying we we were lucky that all of our inventory was East Coast. New York, for, New York was tough though. New York was a hard shutdown. But I guess the the just to zoom out, being able to talk to, your, getting that real time feedback from your customers and knowing like what is wrong and be, or what is right and what is wrong and being able to course correct quickly, it sounds like had a really big impact on your business and. Even on the Airbnb side, right? Being having your inventory out there and really actually it, it, when you're running your business, looking at the reviews and looking at the messages and trying to see what actually is wrong, what's right and what's wrong. There are things that you're seeing that are always wrong. Just fix that and then you'll solve or like disclose that. If you can't fix it, it's gonna solve a lot of your problems. We had we have we had some apartments in Philadelphia along our main street and during the summer. You know, it's very loud all times of day, all times of day. And we saw that and we just disclosed that on the listing to people. And then they're like, okay, we actually never got complaints anymore because they just knew. And also, you know, where things are going right, I think people forget this too. They're like, oh, okay, I really like this feature. I really like this location. I really like this something. Like, oh, okay. It rings a bell in your head. Like, okay, next time I go buy more properties or rent more properties, like this is the type of inventory I want because people like that and it's booking higher. And I think that's where it's like a really big, and I think this is where like having a good technology platform, like having a good property management system, but also having good accounting where we, we at a very early time, we integrated our accounting and made sure that was right. Because then you can get real numbers, right? What's really bad is like not having a good accounting system where you might think of something and you look at your numbers and you have to like, do all this work to try to figure out if it actually is profitable or not. But if you have good data and you're able to look at your data and get insights quickly, it really helps you optimize your business and really speeds up that process. You can't take a week to make a decision, right? If you can figure out something like an hour and then execute on that, whether it's good or bad, like you'll get that feedback right away and you can just iterate, iterate, iterate. And that's what's super helpful for us. And I think from a hostway side, just being able to download all the data, it's being very consistent and being able to run our analysis on that has been really helpful for us. And also just, just telling my experience on the product, having, having the Stripe integration or having the payments integration being not messing up <laughs> some of my other experiences, like just having like good, consistent, getting paid for your st customer stays 
it sounds like a very trivial thing, but it's actually like the most essential part is if they stay there, you got to make sure they pay you and you collect the money and then being able to account for that properly. That's been, I think that's, those are like some really important points when people are looking at a technology platform. One, it works. And two is like, you're getting good data from it so that you can actually run some analytics and be able to make good business decisions. That's right. You, you touched on a very important point there to, to look at your reviews, but I'll take that one step further. I think what we did during during the beginning of the pandemic and the decisions that we made, in hindsight, it all makes sense. Okay, Italy is not going to be a good market. And it turned out that Italy was basically closed for tourism for two years. Even after they opened, nobody wanted to come. And, and in hindsight, Florida was great because they had no restrictions and everything was free. And they also had sunshine and beaches and everyone <laughs> wanted to go there. But it's worth keeping in mind that not everyone drew these same conclusions. And many companies decided the ex the exact opposite and there many of them are gone today yeah. and i think that the key difference there is how you look at the data because if a guest review you mentioned location sometimes you see a property where people say that the location wasn't the best well there's something else behind that and you can't find it out based on the review because the number will just show that the location is a bit worse but here's the thing guests will not leave a bad review about the location or about anything at all unless something is wrong but what is it that's wrong you won't know unless you talk to the guests and it was the same for us we saw something was wrong we saw there were no bookings but how did we know where the light at the end of the tunnel was yeah. we would never have known if we had just relied on data we had to talk one-on-one -on -one to people and then see if we can see the patterns yeah no it makes sense for us it's like just for us, like reading guest communication and, you know, having your team go through that and just understand that. And also to talk to your customers if they have an issue. Hey, how's your stay going so far? What did you like? What are you liking about it? What don't you like about it? And then just being able to collect that information. I think for us, especially the properties, we have ones that we, we rent and then re-rent, we rent to arbitrage. We have some that we own as well, especially the ones that we own. We very much ask, hey, what's good, what's bad? Because obviously we own the asset. So we want to make sure that people like it, that we, we're buying stuff that people like. And if there's problems, we're fixing that. Yeah, I actually have a have an example of that. There was a former customer of ours who, where I ended up staying in one of their places. Okay. I wasn't actually staying there, but I was renting it for, for a colleague that was flying into town. And I took one with bad reviews because what was interesting was that every guest had a different reason why the place was bad. Okay. So I thought, I really need to see this. And when I got there, I found out that basically none of those, all of those reviews were wrong because one said the location was bad, but the location was actually really good. And another one said it's noisy, but yeah, it's, it's to be expected. It's in a, it's in a wild area. And, and some reviews complained about silly things like not enough toilet paper or, or other things. So yeah. I found out what was wrong there that nobody mentioned in the reviews. The problem was that there were six people that could stay there, but there was only a sofa for two people. Okay. Another problem was that there was only one coffee cup for six <laughs> people. And there were three forks and four knives. Oh, now, if you're going to have dinner or coffee or sit at the sofa with six people, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. And when Airbnb asks you the questions for the reviews, there's no question about the number of sofa spaces. Basically, people are just going to be unhappy and they're going to say, oh, it was too loud or location was bad or yeah. it wasn't enough toilet paper. So that's I think it's really important to actually experience yourself and talk to people rather than just looking at data. Data is, of course, very important too, but yeah. it needs to be complemented with real one-on-one -on -one interviews. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that would be really crappy to make coffee in the morning and having to share, pass a cup around for six people. <laughs> I just want to kind of transition, Tom, transition a little bit to the community part of building the business. And for me, it's really speaking with other users, just other vacation, I luckily have this opportunity to talk to a lot of different vacation rental operators and everyone uses different platforms and we all get ideas from each other and feedback. What's good? What do you like about yours? What do you like about that? And then obviously different use cases and different pain points. Maybe talk about how, in addition to the product and as you, as you dial that in, building building a community around Hostaway, right? Building a community around the product where you have people that give you, that you're talking to your customers have good feedback. Has that been a focus on along the growth of the company? 
It absolutely has since since day one. And we don't have our, our user conference ready just yet, but it's in the works. Okay. But one of the advantages that we had so first of all, when we set out building the software, we had a clean plate. We had nothing to start with, so we could build whatever we wanted. And once again, compare this to most of the other companies at the time that had built the software for their own needs, and then they needed to sell that software to others, which sometimes can be like a, a square peg in a round hole. Whereas in our case, we could shape it any way we wanted because there was no predefined shape. So. Even before we started, we were talking to our customers even before we had a product. We just put up a website and a, and a lead generator form and just started talking to people. And we said, we can offer you, I think we called it Airbnb management tools or Airbnb management software. That was the first iteration on week one and two. But just from that, we found out that there's a wild array of things that people need the platform to do. Yeah. And then we started building on that and reiterating on it. And now, finally, this month, we're releasing what's, what I have been doing myself. So I, I have done pretty much every job in the company except for coding because I don't know how. We have access to all this data and we can help our property managers to help them improve their business because we have the data. We know what the ADRs in the area are, but we can also see things that are very hard to see outside the box. For example... What if your pictures are not good enough compared to your competition? Interesting. What if your reviews tell, speak a clear language with an e easy problem to fix? And we actually just ran a, a project where we took all the properties on Verbo that our users have, and we looked at them and we picked out all of those that are not getting any bookings. And then we segmented that into which ones should get bookings. For example, if you're in an area where Verbo gets a lot of bookings. You should get bookings. And then we looked at them and we found that about half of them, they didn't have the amenities. They were beachfront properties, but they didn't have the checkbox on beachfront. So when a guest goes and searches for a beachfront property, they can't find your property. Of yeah. course, you're going to get zero bookings. So we just, that was our first customer success project that we ran and it was extremely successful. Over half of these properties within three months got their first booking that they never had a booking before just because the users didn't realize that you need this thing or that thing is what the guests are looking for. So we're yeah. going to be running more of these that because there's such a big user pool that we are proactively going to reach out to users and help them make more money. Yeah, that'd be great. That would definitely help with the stickiness. I would love that. We want to do more verbal business. We actually talk with our market manager all the time. And to be fair, not great. She tries, but it's not super helpful. It doesn't move the needle. We implement their ideas. It doesn't really move the needle. So we love, that's a great that you're doing that for your to the users, I think, will really, or for your customers. For us, right, like, it, or I think speaking as the users, whatever platform can help us make the most money without, and in the most efficient way, I think for, at least for me, that's how I think about it. OTA distribution, like that is first and foremost, what I care about is like, how broad can you get my inventory across and how easy it is to integrate? And because if you're like just really good on one thing and you have all the bells and whistles in the back, if I'm just on Airbnb, it's eh, helpful, but not super useful. So it's really good just glad to hear that you're prioritizing that. And then if there's another layer on the analytics side that can help us make our properties better or price better, the length of state restrictions, of course, there's AirDNA and transparent and all the other providers that have the data, but fundamentally you have first party data on a, on a PMS that can see everything has enough of data to make some real give you some real insights, that's going to be much more valuable. Because like for me, like I, that would be much more, I'd be much more willing to trust that data from my PMS system than scrape data from AirDNA. Because you don't really know. I'm sure they do. They, I know they do a good job, but fundamentally it's still scrape data, right? But you actually have real book data from your, from your user base and be able to collect that to actual insights. I think that's just a different level of accuracy and fidelity to data that personally I would find, and I think most of my peers would find, much more valuable, which like key data, like I think they do a good job because they actually have the data from the first party. Like first party data is always better than third party data. So, yeah. so that's great that, you, that, that's great that you're doing Another that. example is, is direct bookings. A lot of people want to get direct bookings and, it's, huge. and it's worth understanding that for some locations, you simply can't expect that yeah. because you're, if you got New York places in New York, you're not going to get direct bookings because if you just Google New York, you're going to find a billion websites yeah. and everyone's taken that. 
Yeah. But if you got a small lake somewhere where your grandma grew up and there's five cottages that Google the name of that lake and I guarantee you, you won't find a billion websites. That's when you can get direct bookings. Interesting. But, but uh, yeah, I actually, yeah. So I'm very happy that, about the customer success team that we get to roll it out now. I got the idea when I, I spoke to one of our customers who was really honest. He said, look, business isn't doing well. And uh, it was financial problems. Yep. So we went and looked at it and the photos were all great. He got re great reviews and uh, actually great properties in great locations and they were rented out. So that wasn't clearly, that wasn't the problem. So then I asked, okay, how is this not working? And he said, look at this, after all these expenses, there's no money left. So what we actually found out was that he wasn't paying out the own, he wasn't a revenue share model. So he was a property manager, but he wasn't paying out the owners based on the gross nightly rate. He was paying it out based on the payout, which yeah, meant okay. that yeah. he had to pay all the expenses himself. Yeah. And this was quite remarkable because these were very high end properties. So he had a profit of 1000 a month on, on massive turnover. And once we noticed that he had just forgotten to think about, okay, how does he make money? Because he was yeah. so focused on making the owner's money by having yeah. the right photos, right description <clears> and so on. We, we, together with him, we checked his agreements that he had with the owners and it was clearly defined how he should divide the expenses. And he had just done it wrong for many years, even before he was our customer. So once we fixed that, his profitability went from a thousand a month to 5,000 a month, just by a few clicks in the system. And he never realized that. Yeah. And he's still following the exact contract that he has signed. <laughs> And it's just amazing. That's when I think you, you need a, a third party, someone else outside to just review your business and make sure you're doing well and, and reach out. That's what a partner means. That yeah. You don't know if you could do better than just, you can reach out to someone. And that's, yeah, no, having, having that community around. Way. Yeah, no, I, I, think that, I think a user conference would be fantastic to just for my perspective, like just meeting other users and just hearing what other people are doing in, in, in a structured way be great. So I'll definitely be on the lookout for that. I do want to, one other point I want to hit on is just tell us a little bit about how you think about scaling. Post COVID, we've had this huge travel boom. And I think a lot of us that have survived that, people are trying to figure out how to scale their business. And obviously your business is different from my business, but just like any, you know, but you've built a very successful organization now, but maybe one or two takeaways from that journey on how do you scale in a responsible way where you have a sustainable platform to grow? That'd be great to hear from your perspective. Yeah. There's one, one thing that I can share that I certainly see in property managers as well. And this is a bit, I call that the symptom, the grass is greener. People always think that it's, it was better before, or it's going to be better in the future, or it's better somewhere else. But what I learned there is that when you're going through a hard time, that's when you really should look at it as what it is you're doing and try to put, assign metrics to it, try to assign numbers to it, whether it's your customer reviews, whether it's your ADRs, your occupancy rates, whether it's your profit margin, just put a number on that and start tracking that because if you have a market where things are either going extremely well. For example, right now, vacation rentals are doing really well, but that's going to end at one point. And there are downsides to things going well. Right now, things are going well, but that means everyone's getting in. So suddenly yep. you have a lot of, let's say, people who don't have experience, they're unprofessional, they might be breaking the rules, they might be renting out places too low. And if you've been around for 10 years, you're going to complain about that. But that's actually not bad because what that means is that as long as you follow your business and you're doing the things the right way and you're aware that these others are not, the moment we hit even a little bit of headwind, <laughs> they're going to die out like flies. And guess what's going to happen to the demand of your services at that moment? Yeah. They're going to skyrocket. And that's exactly what we did during COVID. Yes, in broad terms, we laid the direction and so on. But what we really did was we focused internally as well. What is it that we're doing well? And how do you put that in numbers? And how can we make sure that it stays good? And what are we doing really badly compared to any, everyone else? How can we put that in numbers and how can we improve it? And that's something that we keep doing over and over again. And, and something that really helps. But keep in mind that if, you know, 
business is good or the business is bad. It helps you either way to, to just have the numbers. Have the numbers, yeah. Your no, competitors you... are not going to have those. They're not going to have those in place. And you will have a way to run your business when things change. And that's when you can take control of an entire market. Absolutely. It's, yeah, like it's, you, you can't manage what you don't measure. And back to the point about just having good data and being able to analyze, put numbers and metrics behind things. And that's how you are going to measure if what you're doing is successful or not. It's funny that you said that. It's right before COVID, we had one, we had 10 properties in one location and a huge competitor moved right next door to us. And we looked at a pricing where it's like, and it's a nicer building. We're like, I am, I don't know how they're charging half of what we're charging. And I know our costs are lower. And we're just like, this could be bad, right? Because we're going to, they're going to, they're going to eventually they're going to kill us because they have a better, pro better product and it's half the price. So like, why wouldn't someone stay there? And that was uh, January of 2020. <laughs> and I remember seeing that and we're like, we're going to just let's keep doing, we can't price that way because we're not going to make any money. So what's the point of, what's the point of doing this business if we can't do that? And we're just like, look, we're going to run it. We're going to run our business the way that we were going to run it and then follow chips when they may. And March happened and then they went BK and they went bankrupt in April. And then it was funny. We were in the process to buy some of their assets and I got the model and I looked at it and I looked at that property and I was like, oh my God, like how much money are they losing here? Obviously it was a venture model back in 2020, but it, it was funny actually like lifting the cover. So it is another thing too. It's if you got to be confident in what you're doing too, right? If you're doing something and you have the numbers around it and like you're seeing some like irrationality in the market, don't always think, oh man, like what am I missing? Am I doing something wrong? Most likely you're doing something right and it's just they're doing something wrong and you have to just be true to what you're doing and eventually that will that situation will correct itself maybe not all the time but like eventually like just if you're selling something unprofitably for a long period of time like eventually you're gonna run out of money because that's just like the this is capitalist society it's just the law of numbers but it's funny you mentioned that it, it jogged that memory exactly and that's another thing that yeah that, that being said it's really good to be confident but at the same time always double check when i whenever one of my teams asks me a question then i give an answer but i always put a disclaimer there and i say hey if you disagree let me know because i might be right today and i have been right for seven years in a row now it's going to be a day when i'm wrong so just let me know and we actually we had a customer who had just bought three fantastic vacation rental properties in a very expensive area called big bear california and after just a few months she came and said i can't afford to use hostaway and we looked at those properties and they were charging 500 a night but then we looked at the competing properties and they were charging a thousand a night so we thought that's very strange how come they don't have any money and we we started looking deeper turns out Nobody was booking them because they have taken really bad photos after sunset with an old iPhone. Yeah. Wow. And every other property had professional photos taken during daylight hours. So, of course, nobody's going to book that. And we tried to hint because we can't really tell a customer, sorry, you can't use, you can't rent out poor iPhone photos for $1,000 a night. But we tried to hint it in that direction. They said, no, our problem definitely is the PMS. And, <laughs> okay. and then we let them go. And it's, yeah, it's good to be confident, but do accept other people's opinions. Or at least go out and ask and be humble. Hey, am I doing this right? Because chances are to be a property manager, you need so many different skills. You really do. And I have yet to meet a property manager that has a degree in accounting, in hospitality, in communications, in marketing. And in sales, there's nobody has that. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, that's the fun part. And as we went on this conversation, that, that's the kind of the fun part of this industry is you're right. There is no short-term rental vacation management degree out there that you learn all these like different skills. We all come from it from a different, you know, background. Like a lot of my peers, like some come from hospitality, but like I come from a finance background, some come from design, just everything. And everyone's put their own, developed their own system in the way that they've done it. And then you just learn from each other. This is a good idea. I'm going to borrow this, or this is a, I'm just getting feedback. And then it's going back to a community point. Surround yourself with people that are doing what you're doing and ask for help. It's a good way to just solicit feedback. And it's okay to make a mistake. Just don't continue to make a mistake, especially when you know it's wrong. And you're just banging your head against a problem that, you know, there's a solution, but you're either too, if they don't see it or just don't, or, or don't want to, right. And having someone with some experience and tell you that, Hey, 
there's a better way of doing this. I'm going to execute that. And that I found to be a big, a big driver for success. Look, I guess final question, business is a team sport, right? You've started multiple businesses in your background, in your experience. We don't, we're not here alone and it takes a team to, to get us to where we want to be. What's one of the kindest things that someone's done for you along this journey that's really helped you get to where you are today? I, there's definitely right. It is, it is a team sport and it's not always obvious either who's leading the team because, well, I found out this weekend about the super chicken model. For those of you who are interested in science or in managing a business or managing maybe a sports team, check out the super chicken model where everything went horribly wrong. But the nicest thing someone has done to me was actually during COVID, it was one of our customer success managers said, thank you to me. And that, as a founder and CEO, that those are two words you don't hear a lot. Because nobody thanks you. But I asked, okay, what are you thanking me for? And she said, thank you for talking to all these customers and trying to save our business. We're all in the same boat together and you're taking the biggest hits here. So thank you for that. And I thought that was, that's one of the most kind things anyone has ever done to me. It's, yeah. That, that's great. Yeah, no, it's just the satisfaction of, for us, you just like your team there's being the leader of the business and then, but you're leading a team and seeing them thrive and appreciation and them being able to hit their personal financial family goals is I think one of the, one of the parts of business people don't talk about enough. I think for, like for us, like we have teams that are offshore and being, seeing them like being able to buy houses, build houses, or support their families from this business. And then kudos to the property manager system, right? Because it's what allows us to offshore. It's, it's what makes this model work, right? Like we can't afford $15 an hour labor here in the U.S. for customer services. Like we need to be able to go offshore and we need a technology platform to do that and do it in, a, in an efficient way. And I think this is one of the things where this industry is great. The owners, the managers, we're, we're building a nice business, but we're able to also support our ecosystem, our respective ecosystems. Thank you for sharing that. And really congratulations on building a great product. Really enjoyed this conversation and best of luck going forward. And we're obviously, we're obviously pulling for host away. Thank you very much for your support and for being our customer and for having us here.